Good afternoon and welcome to Improving the Call Experience Patients Have with Your Health System, a Health System CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Parlance. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box and we'll take them later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first we're going to go about 35 minutes with our main panel discussion featuring Andy Draper, CIO at HCA Continental Division, Scott Dontremont, Chief Revenue Officer with Parlance, and then we will have our audience Q&A. So without further delay, let's jump right in. We have actually a lot of, a lot of things to cover on this topic today. Um, Andy, let's start with you. Can you give me an overview of your organization and your role? Sure. Um, good morning. It's in Denver. I'm in Denver. Um, and Anthony, thank you. Scott, thank you. Anthony, I read your publication every week with the new uh, updates, and it's a good source. And I share with my whole team, so I'm always glad to be part of Health System CIO events. Thank you. Um, I'm the CIO for HA's Hospitals in Denver and in the Wichita, Kansas market. Um, HCA is a publicly traded uh, healthcare organization based out of Nashville, has a 187 hospitals, about the same amount of surgery centers, um, about net revenue around 60 billion. Uh, my group of hospitals depends how you count them, are 13, about four and a half uh, billion in net revenue. Uh, Andy, you said you have 13 hospitals in the Continental Division? Yeah, it depends how you count them, but yes. Okay, just curious about that. Very good, Scott. Hi, I'm Scott Dontremont. Thanks, Anthony, and thanks, Andy, uh, for being on with us this morning. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Parlance. We're a technology company uh, in the Boston marketplace, and we have been providing uh, speech recognition solutions and applications as a service for more than 25 years, and have really kind of followed an interesting evolution in the market and in the technology from the very beginning to where we are today. Uh, we help primarily healthcare institutions and their patients navigate to receive care and, and information that, that they need. And really excited to chat with you guys today. All right, very good. Um, Scott, we're uh, actually, Andy, we're gonna start with you. What are some of the challenges with traditional interactive voice response systems? Um, sure, I'll answer that. <clears throat> I'm going to step back for a second <clears throat> and kind of frame this into a, a bigger picture. So, and and this is what Scott and I talked about a couple years ago. So, if if Jeff Bezos was an employee of HCA or any health system, he would come in and say, uh, "Why are you guys answering the phones uh, just like you did in the 1970s?" And that was our fundamental question that we asked as we looked at consolidating and automating uh, our PBX operators across our hospitals. And reality is there's no reason to do that. And the second point is as CIOs, uh, there's always this um, constant uh, hunger to be at the table uh, with our fellow peers. 
And so we, uh, I, uh, wanted to come forward with a solution that would do automation, um, do con allow consolidation to occur, and uh, reduce the cost. And so we presented this to the CFO, and, and he loved it. And I would just say that the reason that this is important is, particularly in this industry now, as we're in the, uh, you know, kind of the ripple of the pandemic, um, CIOs need to come to the table with ideas to consolidate and automate and really increase the productivity of our employees. And PBX is a great way to do that. Um, PBX operators um, are a uh, FTE, which can be uh, redeployed in other areas uh, once there's automation using uh, integrated voice recognition system like Parlance. And so from a big picture, it was how do we look at our system differently? How do we consolidate and then use automation? Uh, so is that good, Anthony well, or Scott, do you want to well, anything? The, the challenges um, are that what the old system was a bit unwieldy and expensive. I mean, I understand you wanted to consolidate and automate, but, you know, tell me more about the, the challenges of the traditional system. Well, uh, in our system, the PBX operators all reported to different people, so they weren't a team. And so we wanted to build a team and build a culture. Um, secondly, it's a productivity increase. So now, and um, we'll talk about these numbers later, we've offloaded uh, well above 50% of our calls, almost 72% of our calls now are handled by uh, an uh, integrated voice recognition system. And so I think um, uh, healthcare CIOs need to be relentless on how do we take costs out of our health system. And that's, this is one opportunity to do that. I would say this was done very quickly, and I know you'll ask me implementation questions. This went from a friendly conversation to contract to go live within 90 days. And so without having to do a bunch of, uh, of analysis on digital transformation and all those, all those things, we were able to go live uh, within 90 days. And it was, it was fantastic. All right, very good. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, from my perspective, the, the biggest challenge is fundamental. And that's when you, you've got push button menus out in front of your callers trying to reach resources, it's just so limited. You have nine different choices. And, you know, that might be okay if you're calling a small office, but healthcare institutions we work with typically have thousands of possible locations that somebody would like to be transferred to. And so just by opening that gate, people in more than 50% of occasions are able to get to directly who they want to get to. And what I wouldn't overlook just as much as we add efficiency with these kinds of systems relative to, you know, labor and all of that, the folks that do need to get to a real live person are getting to somebody that's less rushed, somebody that can really help them in many cases. There are many people calling that still need to, you know, speak with a live person rather than, you know, a human being trying to handle all these routine calls and just act like a gatekeeper or really almost a human phone switch, the, the calls that actually do get to the people that work there are the ones that really need the assistance. And the assistance is able to be provided in a more kind of um, 
professional way and in a way that doesn't make the caller feel rushed and, and gives them a better experience. So it's a great marriage. Andy, I want to go back a little bit. You talked about, um, I think, talking to Scott and, and how quickly this came together. Did you have, uh, did you know him? Did you have a relationship with him uh, before this? Sounds like you brought it up and then this happened very quickly. Um, I'm wondering, you know, it's important to have a relationship with somebody you're going to do business with to build that trust. Was that already there? Um, no, we um, we were aware of Parlance through the different emails that CIOs get, and we were trying to find a hospital to pilot it. And then right before uh, the pandemic, we just said, look, this is the right thing to do. This technology is proven, and Scott can talk about all the clients they have, and we're going to do it. And so we just said, instead of going to each hospital and asking permission, we went straight to the leader, the CFO, and said, here's the ROI, and it was uh, we reduced it by half. I can tell you more about the ROI if you ask me. Um, it was a proven ROI. Uh, it went from conversation to go live um, 90 days, and the the ROI occurred within 90 days after that go live. Um, so this was, I would say to my fellow peers who are interested in saying, what can I do to bring automation into healthcare to reduce costs and improve productivity and build a better culture for these frontline employees? Uh, this is a go-to, uh, this is a go-to solution. I would also say, just also stepping back, these PBX operators are, um, are amazing. They're the front line of our patients' families and the physicians and the clinics that are calling into our hospitals to get services or get connected to a service or a bedroom. And these folk um, are amazing. And so, like Scott was saying, increasing the productivity by decreasing the inbound calls gives them room to breathe. It allows them to have a little more relaxed conversation, listen for keywords to try to solve the problem. And, and they love it. It's, it's not been seen as a threat. It's been seen as a technology productivity tool and it's been well received. So Andy, would you, would you, I mean, when things happen this quickly, when you get buy-in this fast and the ROI is that clear, would, is this like one of those no brainers and another term you hear about something like this is low-hanging fruit. For a CIO, you said you got to be out there saving your organization money. So it sounds like you would really recommend people, hey, you got to look at this. This is an easy one. I think so. Now, let me um, – we submitted the ROI. Um, we track in, within HCA cost-saving opportunities. We recorded it. We submitted it. Um, other groups of hospitals in HCA are also doing this. Um, so, yes, it is, it is low-hanging fruit. The Jeff Bezos theory that I opened up with is how do we take a, a process and a team that is answering the phones exactly the way they did in the 70s to the modern age and increase their happiness and increase the uh, satisfaction of our customers, um, this is a no-brainer. I would also say, if you think about the customer segmentation, a lot of EMR systems and health systems are, you know, pushing everyone to the portal. And that is a really good 
opportunity for those patients and families who like online portals and transactions that way. But remember that a large portion of our customers in health systems today are baby boomers and folks that are high utilizers, which are typically, you know, in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they may not uh, choose to use the portal as much as a, a different population. And so the phone is still a way in as a customer and making it uh, automated and giving those PBX operators room to breathe um, was, was, is a good thing for the customer as well. All right, very good. Um... Scott, we're going to start with you on this one. What are some key metrics that indicate a problem with your IVR or phone system? How can you determine if a problem with your call center team is related to your IVR or phone system? And can you tie revenue loss to your IVR or phone system? For example, call abandonment due to long hold times, frustrating phone experiences while attempting to access care, rising consumerism, et cetera, wherever you want to jump in there. Sure, sure. And a lot of things are, are, are anecdotal, but the first place I always ask people to look is at their Google reviews. And what you what you often find is that you'll have a, you know, a, and every hospital is important to the community that it serves. And within that community, people will feel free to, to leave a Google review. And in many cases, there'll be a few complaints. There'll be some five stars and there'll be some one stars. When you see the one and two stars, it's almost never about the actual healthcare provided. It's about the communication. In general, it's about the communication experience. You know, it was really hard to get an appointment. It was really hard to get in contact. You know, my dad had surgery. I was just reading one this morning for a local hospital here and it, it was you know, the review said, hey, my dad had surgery. I was transferred, you know, to five different places before I finally figured out where he was. It's, it's that kind of thing. So, you know, those are the first things to look at. Um, you know, then there are things that are more technical and related to telephony, like abandonment rate, you know, speed, speed to answer, things like that. But we're really trying to look at that big picture to say just what's the phone experience like? You know, I had a, a, a system in Texas that we work with, and I was talking with uh, Dwayne about abandonment rate. He said, oh, no, we used to have we used to have a really long, uh, you know, really high abandonment rate. But I fixed that last year. And that's when I really caused a problem, because then the folks were speaking so quickly on the phone and transferring people so quick that the experience became terrible that's why we want to work with you guys, because this will make the experience better. So there's no one statistic, but things like hold time, really reviews. It, it's just, you'll know if you have a problem, you know. And the other thing is call your healthcare system. <laughs> yes. Most of the executives that we work with, and I double checked with Andy this morning, they're, they're going cell phone to cell phone. They're emailing people. They're on internal meetings all day. It's not that often that executives at these systems are calling their main number as a patient. We've gotten a couple of customers because somebody on the, the board of a, of a hospital or the CEO's wife was actually in the hospital and there was the need to call the main number and put themselves into the same experience as their consumers and patients and family members. And when they do that, it's a real eye opener. That, I mean, that's such a good point and what an easy thing to do, but <laughs> it's amazing probably how many people don't do that. Um, 
you know, it's like if it's a restaurant, like, have you ever eaten at your own restaurant? <laughs> Try your own food. Anyway, um, Andy, your thoughts. Um, I, I saw it um, as a productivity improvement and cost reduction initiative um, because the way that Parlance technology works, first of all, voice recognition is a proven solution. We all use Siri and Google and everything, uh, Alexa. So I think this technology is mature, ready to go. And then within Parlance, you have to match the words to the directory. So somebody may say emergency room, emergency department, ED, uh, and you have, and that's how they match the words into what what their uh, phone number is for that department they're trying to get to. And that's it worked very well. Um, so it's not like a an EMR where you have to go out and talk to a bunch of doctors and nurses and get buy-in and change order sets and notes and things. This is this is ready to go. It's a, it's a mature technology with a good integrated directory, and it proved the productivity argument within 90 days. I mean, so if somebody's looking for what can I, particularly now with the economic uh, position in the United States, if a CIO, in my opinion, as a CIO, if I was looking for a quick win in the budget cycle, I would do this. Um, Scott. Uh, you know, Andy talked about uh, it sounded like uh, a process of sort of setting it up, setting up the system where you could have a whole bunch of different things people could say that will get you to the emergency department because people may s use different expressions, different terms. And I'm wondering if you could even have a regional variation. So in the South, we use this term in the out West, we call it this. So is there a process for new customers where they do that setting up and they map all those terms? Yeah. So, you know, it's an ongoing process. So we do a really thorough job as thorough as we can, you know, initially. And then as uh, Robin, who works for Andy, says, we, we go at it 1% of time in terms of looking for continuing improvement. So we might have all the, all the main departments initially, but then we may find out that, you know what, some of the folks that have been at that hospital for 20 years, they're still calling the old tower the, the old name, and we have to make sure that gets in the directory, that, that kind of a thing. And yep, there are regional dialects that, that get contended with. And a lot of the service comes into things like, how would you know unless you had a human interaction? So, you know, if your name is Bill, we'll automatically put Will and William and Billy in the system mm -hmm. so you'll get your calls. But if your nickname is Buck, well, you know, we, we wouldn't know um, in, until we work with you and, and say, OK, all these calls aren't going to the right place. Um, in other time, in other cases, it's adding an additional question in. I was working with a hospital where we were looking at some calls and it didn't seem like there would be a good reason why they would need to touch an operator. It was when people were asking for physical therapy. And very quickly, we realized it was because we needed to put another question in our system to ask whether it was inpatient or outpatient. Mm. Once we did that, most of those calls could get resolved. So it's trying to be thorough in the beginning, but the iterative actual service part that is married to the technology is really where the best results come from. So you're able to, over time, to identify calls that are not being routed properly um, through the voice response system, figure out why and then adjust the system to to reduce those error, not error rates, but whatever the term is, correct? Yes. 
Exactly. Okay. So it gets better and better over time. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Next question. Andy, we'll start with you. What are some alternatives to traditional IVR? Phone trees are painful, but do you lose anything from moving away by moving away from them? What are some of the operational efficiencies that come from speech enabling your phone system when centralizing switchboard operations? How do switchboard operators benefit when callers with routine needs are able to speak naturally and self-serve? And how do patients and family members benefit from voice-first communications in healthcare? So anywhere you want to jump in there. Okay. Uh, Those are good questions. Um, You know, I always say, this is not just my term, technology is a substitute for labor. And in this case, uh, voice recognition is a substitute for a human being. And I'm old enough to remember some of the, uh, the some of the shows with Lily. Some people may remember this, uh, but there was a, a, a TV show where Lily Tomlin was the operator. Do you remember that, Anthony? And yes, yeah. Scott does. Was this, I do. Which one was this? Was this nine to five? What was she, little? No, I'm not sure. Five, right? Was it nine to five? Was I, she in that? Maybe she was. We're going to have to do phone a friend or something. But anyway, go ahead, Andy. We, um, I'm going to look it so, up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so the old operators were patching uh, uh, circuits together based upon what you were calling. And so this is just a natural evolution of using technology to, um, to connect. So one of the benefits is it's faster. So rather than, and it, it can be more accurate, so we can use phone trees. So if I'm calling the ED, then the, we can do a question, are you calling for adult or pediatrics? Then you could say pediatrics, it gets you to the right phone. A human who may be a new employee may just punch you to the general ED number, could be the adult ED, it, you're trying to get your kid into the ED, you want to know what the wait times are or something, and there's an error there. So you can cue this up so that there's trees to be more specific, and it's faster. Um, when, when, I, when my father was in the hospital last year, I called to send uh, flowers through the gift shop, and I had to wait for the operator. If I would have just said gift shop, it would have automatically routed. So I think the, the alternative is humans, and um, I think technology in some cases can be uh, better uh, than humans, particularly for the simple things. And as CIOs, we all look at transactions, and we're putting bots on there on the chat room, and every website people open nowadays, there's a little chat bot that says, how can I help you? I think for the simple questions, absolutely automating that, is good. You can always press zero too. So let's say you have a complicated patient and you're trying to find uh, your mother who's on a a particular cancer unit. And it may not just be oncology, it may be blood oncology or something. You can press zero and then have a dialogue with the operator and say, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of uh, my mom who's in this unit, her doctor is blah, blah, blah. And that gives the operator more time to think critically about how to route that call appropriately rather than having to deal with somebody who's just calling to ask for flowers. So I think it's a productivity improvement. You know, and just as I'll get on my soapbox for a second and I'll step up. A lot of CIOs we all know as technologists that 
healthcare, by and large, has not had the productivity gains that some of our, the other industries have had. This is a way to get a productivity gain, introduce automation into the health system, and be consumer friendly all within 180 days from a conversation with Scott. Very good. Well, it was, I believe it was nine to five. And uh, our friend Jimmy Weeks, who's attending the webinar, even gave her uh, character's name, which apparently was Ernestine. So (laughs) we've got, we've got a very responsive audience. (laughs) Oh, wait, he said laughing. Maybe it wasn't nine to five laughing. Was that a show laughing? Yeah. Yeah, I remember laughing. So it was laughing where where she was Ernestine, the operator, and before you were born. I don't know, Jimmy. I'm getting up there in years, so maybe it wasn't. Um, Scott, your your comments on this yeah. question? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start with this. I mean, phone phone trees are painful enough that the vast majority of people don't participate. You know, about eighty percent of the time, people hit zero and just bang out of there. And now they're in your main operator queue anyway. So they have a really high failure rate because people do feel them so feel as if they're painful. And, you know, how many times in all of our different, you know, phone experiences, calling places, do people sort of proudly say, oh, I just hit zero. You know, that's just common. That's something we, we hear all the time. Many of us, many of us do it. Um, for us, most people engage with the system because we ask a very simple question at the beginning, who would you like to reach? If you speak, we send you somewhere. If we don't, for whatever reason, recognize it, or you still want to hit the operator, as Andy said, you can get there. Um, so, you know, we assist you where where you need it. If you still don't want to do it, we get out of your way. But most people wind up engaging. But the biggest Plus, and Andy mentioned it, you know, with his dad in the hospital, is the ability to integrate with the EMR systems and put people directly in touch with their family members. So, you know, there'd be no phone tree that would ever be able to stay current with what's the current population in the hospital and get people's calls directly to mom and dad's room. And so by doing that integration and giving people the ability to just simply say, you know, Ellen Dontremont, please, you know, you can now get right to a room. During COVID, we did something really interesting that really helped the experience a lot, which was to add a second question to that, which was, would you like mom's room or would you like to speak with her caregiver? Because with with reduced ability to visit, what we found was many people, of course, they're interested in talking to their mom, but what they really wanted to know is how is mom doing? Of course, it's a scary time. Of course, you want the medical person's opinion of how they're doing to be a part of it. And that was a a really helpful thing and something we're able to kind of iterate and add in as circumstances on the ground change for all of us with the pandemic. Very good. All right. I want to uh, get some audience questions in here as we want to be responsive. Are any of your calls being resolved without any human interaction or are you just routing calls to the right person without needing to have operators? Scott? I mean, well, in the, in the case of Andy's calls, that it, it's a routing application with some other customers in access centers. We're doing things like verifying appointments and, and tasks like that, canceling appointments, those sorts of things. Um, giving people directions so that, you know, there's some other other things that we do in other applications, but we're kind of focused today talking about that front door application. 
All right, very I, good. I would Go just, ahead, Andy. Uh, Anthony, I know there's a couple other questions from Lindsay, and I can answer those when you send them to me. But um, look, this is we want to use technology um, as much as possible to reduce costs, and so I'm evangel uh, evangelical about that. Um, we want simple questions answered quickly in an automated way by the computer, by the robot. I want to talk to Five East. No need to talk to human to do that. You just get it done. And so um, it's okay. This is we're in an economy. Some people have said, "Oh, this is a layoff plan, or we're going to have people lose jobs." And these folks are, you know, making less than twenty bucks an hour in some cases. But we're in an economy with uh, a very low uh, unemployment rate. These people can be redeployed to other positions in the health center, as we've done, and we want them to be fulfilled. And so by uh, eliminating a low-value task with automation, that's a healthy thing, and it's something I think healthcare needs a lot more of, and this tool helps us accomplish that. Now, Andy, you mentioned um, with these operators, you mentioned uh, in one sense they have more time to deal with the calls that come in because a lot of the calls are being handled automatically. Um, then you also mentioned redeployment. So how are you deciding, um, you know, how that works? Some are going to have more time to do their job better, and some you're not even going to need to do that job anymore, so they get redeployed. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, we have more jobs. I mean, every health system has tons of jobs openings. And so one of the things we've also done, which is a cousin of this, is we've stood up a virtual care center, which a lot of health systems are doing. And so in that virtual care center, we have people monitoring patients remotely for sitter. Uh, it's called virtual sitter, which uh, identifies the patient is uh, at risk for falling out of the bed. And in the old days, you used to have a human watching a patient, and that is expensive and low productivity. Now you can have many uh, patients being watched by a single human. So we would go to some of these PBX operators and say, you know, you've, you've done a fantastic job. Here are some other openings, including, uh, you know, in the care process, looking at virtual sitter. Would you be interested in that? Some of them are. Um, so I think there's plenty of opportunities there, and uh, it's not been a problem. All right, next question. Uh, how does the system handle multiple locations with a centralized front-end number? For example, we have a general number for all locations, but requesting quote-unquote medical records may potentially have 30 different sites to be transferred to based on the answers to subsequent questions. I'm going to let Scott take a first shot at that. Sure. So, I mean, so the answer is it depends because always in our mind, we want it to be a good patient experience. So we could use technology to just ask 10 questions in order to really narrow down exactly where the where the call should go. But most likely we would ask a second question or maybe a third question, narrow it down. So we would probably, um, someone says medical records in that kind of application, that's a one common number. And we would say for which location or hospital. If the person didn't know, maybe they would need some human help mm -hmm. um, at least the first time. So, you know, we always try to kind of strike that balance. We do the same thing with names, by the way. So, you know, if, if you're a large healthcare institution, uh, one of my customers here in the East Coast has a directory of 40,000 names. So there might be 10 William Smiths. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we'll first ask, you know, William Smith at such and such location or try to narrow down the, down the specialty. But what we won't do is ask eight questions and frustrate the caller to the point where they're going to hit zero and have to start over anyway. If it's going to be the kind of thing where they're unlikely to get to the zero, we'll get them there quickly. So we kind of do a balance that way. Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony, I would add, you know, when we were talking before, there's... Um, the CIOs are always trying to uh, be at the table with these strategic conversations. And in some cases, health systems are hiring and other companies are hiring uh, people with digital in their title or transformation in their title. And I'm not a fan of that, but this is a, this would be a question I'd go back to the organization and say, why do we have 30 different points of medical records? That's, that's the way medical records was done in the 1970s as well. So there may be an opportunity for to transform, to digitize, to to simplify that as well, um, and 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 that's part of technology now too. CIOs are not just in charge of the plumbing. We have to go have these hard conversations. There may be FTEs to be saved in that uh, in that organization as well by simplifying, and I mean simplifying because what a hassle it is for a patient or a patient family member to try to figure out where is mom's chart. I just wanna know where my mom's chart is. I don't wanna call 30 departments. You're the health system. I'm paying a big copay to have my mom in your hospital. You get the, you get the chart. And so I think uh, parlance is a way that, as Scott said, you can create trees and be more specific, but this is also a tool and an opportunity for CIOs to say, hey, we need to look at how this whole organization handles these kind of questions. And, and that's the fun stuff. So Andy, as the CIO, um, to talk a little bit about how this problem came to your attention. Um, was it, you know, sourced to you from another department that said, Hey, you know, we we're having issues here. Can technology help us? And then I'm curious about after the, the sort of purchase, um, is there someone on your team that actually handled developing the phone trees with parlance and sort of more, uh, you know, rolling it out where you, you handed it off or, or did you stay deeply engaged in this? Um, yes, the, um, we were aware of parlance through one of our uh, network engineers and he was advocating for it. Uh, and he was fantastic and we've known about it and we're finally at the end as I said earlier, we just decided to do it across all of our hospitals rather than going to each one because there was a big win and savings there. Um, the other thing, and I've made a career out of saying this, uh, you know, people process technology. So we identified a, a fantastic manager of the PBX, 20 years experience, you're getting her master's degree, super sharp. All those PBX operators report to her now. They used to report into different parts of the hospitals. Um, now they report to a single team leader, which has been great for morale and, um, and team building. And then she and our uh, technical team get reports from Parlance every day, and they look at kind of the, the outliers of who didn't get routed automatically. Mm -hmm. And then you can come up with a top 10 list, and then you can say, oh, we need to put this number in for this word. And so it. It takes, um, it takes time, but the savings occurred uh, within 90 days of go live. So it's not like you have to make it perfect before you get the savings. 
you can turn it on uh, and get the savings very quickly. And I, I will say too, um, Scott and I and uh, their team, they have a, a great person on the team, Sheila Kelly, and they have great uh, technical people. Um, we signed the contract like December 1, and I said, we need to get this live before Christmas. And by golly, they were, Parlance was fantastic, our technical team was fantastic, and we were up and running uh, within three weeks. That seems very aggressive, Andy. <laughs> you, 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 ruined, you ruined their Christmas shopping season. That was an Andy, well, we but it was great. It was great to do it. My word, Andy, you're you're a tough uh, taskmaster there. Um, next, next question: Does the patient information criteria allow for entry of do not announce slash anonymous status and not transfer calls? Scott? I'll take that one. That's an easy one. Yes. Okay. So good. We got that one done. Um, what is the rate of success getting the call to the right place the first time? Is there a way to track that? Scott, why don't you take a first step with that? Sure. So, you know, we, we always talk about 50%. We shoot for more. As Andy mentioned, you know, we've refined their system to where it's about 70% of the calls. We have a web portal. We're looking at where all of these calls go and are and are successful. So we we can track it pretty, pretty well. We don't always know, you know, when if when what someone asked for and was successfully transferred to did they receive the exact result from that destination that they wanted wouldn't be something we would track but we certainly understand the mechanics of where the all the calls all the calls go i would like to add and i'll i'll show this um this is a spreadsheet we track um every week and I, I, first of all, I have a wonderful uh, technology leader with Don Laughlin, and he's in the room. But we put a challenge to the Parlance team and to our PBX team to try to get to 60% uh, of our calls offloaded. And you look at it from internal calls, so, you know, the ED calling lab, and you look at external calls. And um, our goal was 60 Our average internal offloaded now is 72% of all calls coming internally are now routed automatically. Our high point is now 79%, which is amazing. Our external call volume automatically connected or parlance uses the term offloaded is 65%. So we've gone from, if you think we've eliminated 72% of calls uh, that are now automatically routed and internally and 65% are externally and we still want to grow and we've we've blown our uh, we've we've beat our goals each time and that is the people on the process side so real quickly without a dedicated person who drives the, the software who looks at their reports who's constantly tweaking at 1% at a time you can't do that so it's a big win yeah very good. All right. Next audience question. Um, who and how are the mismatches resolved when a caller says a name or department and the system finds no match? Does someone review the failures regularly and either add the listing or enter the listing phonetically? Does Parlance do this for the customer or does the customer do this? Scott? So, yes, Parlance does it. We do it in conjunction with the customer because usually there's a reason. So we have... Um, 
exception reports that we're looking at. We do do some live listening to the utterances. So we know what people are asking for. If it isn't, if the call isn't connecting, we can go back and our customers can listen to that, to that utterance of what was asked for as well. So it's, it's a, it's a team-based approach led by parlance. So we're able to tell people what the best practices are, what our most successful customers have done, um, and go from there. Um, they, the department names, you know, really only in the very beginning do we have to do some refinement. Once we have those, we've got those. It usually comes um, from something else that's kind of disruptive in the directory where they wouldn't have it. At some of our locations, will include um, a physician credentialing feed so that we have the information, particularly in academic medicine, where there's a really high rate of people coming and going, we'll, we'll bring that feed into the directory to make sure that we're really up to date on, on who's, who's there uh, so that they can receive the right calls. Andy, anything you want to add on that? Um, the, the technology works and um, Parlance is a great partner. They listen in um, and then our team asks the questions. It's this is a um, I don't want to. This is a easily deployable technology that gets immediate that I found got immediate ROI that I was able to validate with our CFO, and uh, and it works. And then having a process in place where the, so when we went live. Just like any go live, we had daily and then weekly calls with Parlance, and we looked at the list, and then they gave suggestions, and then we tweaked it. So um, this is a lot easier than an EMR, let me tell you. This is good stuff. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, next question, Andy, we're going to go with you first. What are some best practices for selecting a new technology or software solution like IVR? What are key differentiators or features that elevate one solution over another? So obviously we know you've gone with parlance, but what's your advice for people who are going to hit the market and take a look at their options? Well, having been an advocate for increasing productivity, I also recognize healthcare is different. So, uh, and health systems are different. And the, the level of questions that an operator gets are different. Um, when you call an insurance company, it's, you know, claim or refill prescription or something. It's, it's a lot fewer words. Um, so our number one criteria was, you know, what did the technology look like? And the second was, what was their experience in large hospitals? And, um, and Parlance met both of those criteria. And so we didn't do an RFI or anything like that. Um, we talked to Parlance, talked to a couple of their customers, and uh, and did it that way. So, you know, you made sure they had experience in the type of health system you had, and you spoke to some CIOs at some of their customers? Yeah, and they had one customer in New York, which is large, and then Scott's telling me there was, a, there, uh, back when we were doing the contract, I think there was a European customer, Scott, that had a lot, because the acid test that once we figured this out, or once I figured this out, my team was way ahead of me, it's like how many direct, how large is your directory? And so every health system thinks they're big, but I wanted to talk to somebody who is bigger. And so I said, Scott, it looks like we're going to have 40,000 directory entries. Do you have somebody that's bigger than that? And he said, yes, talk to these people. So I, I knew that um, I wanted to find out somebody who had done it 
and somebody who was bigger and more complex. And that's that gave me confidence that it would work. Scott, any thoughts on folks hitting the market? I mean, um, you know, what do you want them to watch out for? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think the blend between service and technology. I mean, the technology is is fantastic, you know, with 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 AI and all the modern things, we're all getting more and more used to using and have high expectations for the ability to use our voice to voice to navigate stuff. But Parlance, as I mentioned at, at the top of the hour, has been in business for 25 years as a managed service, despite the fact that we were in the original consortium that invented speech recognition or a spin out of BBN technologies, which are the guys that actually invented the internet. So the technology side to us has always been of paramount importance and continues to be. But when you don't blend the service to really solve the real problems and applications, you don't have the same solution because all the caller knows is whether or not they got to where they wanted to get to. And if the name isn't in the directory or if there's something wrong in the process and the way the application is kind of put together, they just don't get the results. So I, I would suggest people always look for a service that isn't going to be something that just gets sort of installed and dropped off with kind of the, the taillight guarantee, as we as we like to say. Very good. Next audience question. And Scott, let's stick with you on this. Is there ever any downtime with this system? No, we, we install redundantly. And I think Andy could report no downtime. I, I can't remember a customer outage in the last couple of years other than we've had a couple of times when the customer in their own upgrades turned us off inadvertently. What's nice about parlance in the way that our technology solution works is in that unfortunate instance, all that happens is all the calls go to the operators. It's not that the calls are lost. Mm -hmm. You know, having a 20-year telecom career, I guess more than 20 years, dating myself a little (laughs) Um, you know, sometimes when you're involved with technology and if there's a problem, there are outages that are sort of complete and an outage would be defined as somebody can't even call. In the case of parlance, the way that our architecture works, we have almost no problems trending towards no problems. But if we were to, the architecture means that you would simply receive your calls as you did before. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Next question. Um... How can IVR technology address the specific needs of a healthcare brand? Is it customizable? Uh, please address the implications of rising consumerism in healthcare and the potential for revenue loss that comes from poor healthcare consumer experiences. So, um, Andy, why don't, why don't you talk? Is this customizable uh, to a certain degree? Sure. Um it's absolutely customizable and um, revenue loss. Um, I think frustration, particularly in COVID, everyone's exhausted, healthcare workers, other people are, are exhausted. I think the ability to say uh, flower shop uh, and get immediately connected, that's a win. Uh, and so that creates a good experience. And I remember that. And uh, so I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's worked as designed. There's been no downtime. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been a good relationship and a great product. Scott, on the customizability, it's completely customizable. In fact, we really what we're really providing is a platform 
and everyone has the same platform, but every customer has a customized set of applications that support their organization. Mm-hmm. And where I think it really helps the brand is in consistency. So, you know, as Andy mentioned, he's got 13 hospitals. They've, you know, they've got any number of clinics and other places that you connect with HCA in his market and across the country. And the idea of having the phone experience be the same everywhere is the kind of kind of professional experience we expect in some other industries that healthcare can be a little bit behind on, particularly with all the acquisitions. So we have a lot of places that start with us at the hospital and then expand with us into their um, clinic community in order to have a consistent phone experience that supports the brand, same process, same voices, all of that. Um, That's been really well received for us. Very good. All right. Uh, Are there any uh, security or HIPAA concerns uh, regarding this? You know, you, you talked about trying to find the right Bill Smith, so to speak. Um, you don't want to be asking questions like, do you want Bill Smith with the green eyes? Do you want Bill Smith who's got this condition? So you can't go there when trying to identify Bill Smith. But are there any um, security things you want people to know around this, Scott? Well, I mean, security is of a paramount concern to everyone always. We don't have a single customer that we have not uh, undergone a significant technology security review before they've come on board. Um, In Andy's case, we had separately done one uh, with HCA and had a national agreement in place before we engaged with Andy's particular group. So that was out of the way and was able to, you know, kind of help us do things quickly. Yeah, we're HIPAA compliant. We're consistent in all those in all those uh, proper policies and procedures. And, you know, it's top of the mind for us, too. So, Andy, we talked to a lot of uh, CISOs and CIOs about that third-party review, how important that is to get that security review of any vendor you're bringing on. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, we uh, HA has that. Um, you know, interestingly, HA gets uh, knocks, uh, bad guys knock on our network doors over 2 million times a day. Um, trying to ping into our systems. And so uh, we take that uh, very seriously. It's very rigorous. Um, and uh, and we're very proud of it, as I know all the information security teams are. Um, and it went, uh, they had no problem passing the test in Nashville. Very good. All right. We're almost out of time. I want to give each of you an opportunity for a last word, a final piece of advice. Uh, Andy, let's uh, let's say you're speaking to other uh, CIOs, IT executives on the line. They're interested in doing something in this area. They perhaps need to get some buy-in to move this forward. What's your best advice on how they can get this project moving internally? Who do they need to talk to uh, and get on board with them? I would call Scott, and I'll put this as an incentive if Scott can get any client that can beat 79% of internal calls offloaded, I will buy that client a fancy dinner in beautiful Denver, Colorado, anytime. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. Scott, your, your well, final advice? I would like to say that Andy is always setting the bar higher, and I really appreciate it. I think he's brought the best out, out of our team, and it has been a true pleasure working with him and his whole team. Uh, you know, you, you, you 
quickly understand when you're working with Andy that he's a, he's a great guy and a nice man, but he's also a very results-focused practitioner of all of the best practices and brings everyone along for the ride. It's, it's been a, it's been a true pleasure. And uh, I'd like to be at that dinner too. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I see that somebody, somebody asks a little bit about um, how we integrate with. Yeah. So like, go ahead. If you, if you want to touch on that. Epic. Yes. We've uh, we, we handle millions of calls through those integrations. We use an HL seven connection. Um, to pick up the ads, ads, deletes, and transfers. And uh, it's something we've been doing for years. It works really, really well and uh, is able to be done in that same um, installation, if you will, process. You know, it, it's it's also very quick. One other final thought, Andy talked a lot about, you know, FTEs and kind of changing and like moving to other positive places in the organization, which we see all the time. But the other place where we see, and Andy did it too, actually, um, where people bring us in as an inflection point is around openings, you know, with the hiring climate today, being an operator, PBX operator is a really hard job. If you're in a, in a thriving job market, that might not be the one that people want to have. And people find it hard to fill those positions. And we've had many, many people be successful with hiring parlance, as it were, rather than trying to hire people. And of course, it's distracting. Of course, um, you know, those, po- those folks need to be trained. There can be high levels of, of turnover in those jobs. So having parlance backstopping it um, can really help. And it's a great way to break in with parlance where you already know operationally the, the ROI is there and in advance because it's already in your budget, so to speak. And uh, other than that, I'd just like to thank everybody for coming and, and being involved. You know, this was really a, a great conversation. I appreciate it. Good. Well, uh, we see that uh, Andy wants you to get someone over 79%. So he's throwing out that little challenge. And I would throw out one to you, Scott, because we're giving Scott a hard time. Andy gave you three long weeks to implement. So next time, let's do it in two. How's that? <laughs> I'm just hoping nobody from my service department is on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good. All right. Fantastic. Great talk today. Uh, regarding continuing, continuing education, uh, you can use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this webinar is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out. To Nancy Wilcox from our team, you go to our website to register for upcoming panels. With that, I want to thank our panel very much, Andy Draper, Scott Duntremont, and uh, Parlance for making this event possible. And I want to thank you, our attendees, for coming. So with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you.